Happy Nurses Week to all the nurses and future nurses listening. To celebrate, I'm having a 20% off sale on Study Sesh. This is my private podcast that features over 140 episodes to help you study on the go. Formats include pod quizzes, power hour deep dives, drills, and case studies. If you're tired of sitting at your desk or staring at a screen, but still want to review for nursing school, it's time to check out Study Sesh. Go to straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in that top menu bar. That's straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in the menu bar. See you there. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. This is episode 47, and today we will be talking about compassion fatigue. Maybe you have heard this term because you're already a nursing student and you hear it talked about in your classes. Maybe you've witnessed it already working in the clinical setting. Maybe you are a, a nurse assistant or a PCT, some kind of a tech or maybe you've even seen it working in clinicals as a student. So I wanted to just touch on the subject a little bit today. It just seems like nobody prepares you for this. They talk about it when you're in school, but nobody really prepares you for the reality of dealing with it. And I would have to say, depending on where you work, if you work in a high acuity environment, with a lot of tragedy, a lot of sadness, a lot of patient death, a lot of hardship, you are most likely going to experience this. And I want you to expect that it is very likely to happen so that you're well equipped to meet it head on and hopefully mitigate it somewhat. So I'm definitely no expert, but I will tell you what I know. So compassion fatigue Lots of different official definitions out there about compassion fatigue. A couple of people, Anna Waltz in 2009 and Dr. Charles Figley in 1995, both very involved with this compassion fatigue concept. And I do believe that Dr. Figley has a website about it if you want to check it out. Um, it has been described as a combination of physical, emotional, and spiritual depletion. And that comes about in a person who is caring for patients who are themselves having significant pain and physical distress. And then in 1992, Joynson wrote a paper about compassion fatigue. And in this paper, she described it as a unique form of burnout that affects individuals in caregiving roles. So she directly relates it to burnout. And I would say that I agree with that. I do believe that when you get to the point where you have compassion fatigue, you are experiencing burnout and it can be a very draining experience and a very depleting experience, meaning that it will deplete you of pretty much all of your joy. And I hate to be a bummer. Usually we talk about positive things on the podcast, but I really felt like it was important to bring this up. So why does compassion fatigue happen? Why does burnout happen? There are so many reasons, so many reasons. But talking about burnout from the point of compassion fatigue, I think a lot of new nurses and students can be a little bit shocked by it because 
many of us and many of you have started this journey to become nurses, or maybe you're already out of school and you're working as a nurse, but you chose this profession because you care about people, because you want to help. And that's beautiful, and that's noble, and that's wonderful. And that just shows that your heart is really in the right place, because this job is very hard. And you have to want to work that hard to really work that hard. Do you know what I mean? So you get into this profession from a place of service with an open heart and a caring and a loving heart and a kind heart. And you start talking with your coworkers and you you might hear them say things that to you seem very callous. They may not seem that affected by a patient's tragic situation. People tell really crude jokes sometimes as a way of coping with their caregiver stress. Um, You might picture yourself being that person who cries with the patient's family or cries as you hold their hand as they pass away. And to realize that that does not happen, maybe occasionally it does, but it does not happen every time, is a really big wake-up call for a lot of new nurses because they think, maybe feeling that blunted emotional response to something that would normally cause great distress. If you have a blunted emotional response to that, does that make you a bad person? Are you losing your heart? All of these things happen because of compassion fatigue. So when you're taking care of patients, when you're getting really involved, especially in units where maybe you have long-term patients who are there for a while and you get to know them and you get to know the families, it is so important that you maintain those therapeutic boundaries. And if you're taking a class on communication, they will probably talk a lot about therapeutic boundaries. A way to pay attention when they talk about that stuff. It might be really easy to check out of those kinds of classes because you're mostly focused on your physiology and your med surge and your peds and your all of that. But when you're taking a class and someone who knows a whole lot more than you is talking about ways that you can take care of yourself, I really want you to pay attention. So having therapeutic boundaries with families is so important. And sometimes that's as simple as just refusing to get pulled into family dynamics and family drama. Try to keep your focus on the patient and their care. And then if you have a family that is really involved emotionally, has a big drama situation, has a lot of emotional needs, that's when you pull in your resources. That's when you get social work involved. That's when you get pastoral care involved. Let them take care of that stuff because they're the experts with that. You've got a hard enough job taking care of the patient. So trying to set those boundaries, let the specialists take care of that part of it so that you can focus on the stuff that you're actually really good at and that you need to focus on. So let's say you have a patient die and then you go to lunch and at lunch you're talking and laughing with your friends and someone just died five minutes ago. This does not mean you're a bad person. This does not mean you have no heart. This does not mean that you are a cruel, evil, dead inside individual. This just means that you see what is to most people the very worst thing that could ever happen in their whole life. 
and they may see it once. These are things that you see daily, all the time. And they do become, I don't want to say the word routine because I don't want to dishonor the monumental event that is losing a life, but it does just become something that you get more accustomed to than the average individual. And if you were to break down emotionally with every patient death, with every tragic story or situation, you would burn out even more quickly. You would become absolutely depleted. So your soul, your mind, your heart, whatever it is, almost naturally, intuitively protects you from that and enables you to keep that emotional distance from all the trauma and tragedy that you're seeing. So when you go to lunch right after a patient dies or right after you see the most horrible thing you've ever seen and you're able to sit and chat about the uh, real housewives or whatever, this does not make you a bad person. This makes you a normal nurse. So please don't beat yourself up about that. So what are some symptoms of compassion fatigue and burnout? Because I really do feel like the two go hand in hand. If you notice these in yourself, please seek help. If you notice them in a friend, please offer help. Offer that kind, reassuring presence that they might need at that time. So you might notice that you feel less empathy. And I'm not talking about getting accustomed to tragedy. I'm talking about a stark lack of empathy. You can feel empathy and then still go talk about the real housewives. But if you're not feeling empathy and you used to, this can be a sign that you're having compassion fatigue and that you're facing some burnout situations. Maybe you start calling in sick a lot or requesting days off or using up all of your vacation time to get called off when census is low or calling in sick. Maybe you're feeling like you have no joy in your job or even more importantly, no joy in your life outside of your job. I mean, a lot of times people go to work and they don't really expect to have joy in their work, but they do find it fulfilling or engaging or challenging or whatever they need. Maybe they don't expect to be joyful at work, but if you're also not joyful at home, you don't want to do the things that you used to do that bring you joy, that's a problem and absolutely needs to be addressed. You might notice that you're tired all the time, you've got headaches, digestive issues, even cardiac issues have been shown to be associated with burnout, not sleeping, very irritable, maybe you're really anxious, maybe you're drinking more, using illicit drugs, which I hope you're not, but maybe that's happening. Um, Maybe you're feeling like you're angry all the time, you're losing your focus. So these are all things that can happen when you are having compassion fatigue slash burnout. And the best advice that I can give if that happens is you've got to take care of yourself. You absolutely priority one must take care of yourself. And if you go online and you Google nurse burnout or nurse compassion fatigue, you are going to find a million resources out there. One of my nurse friends in the social media ward is Elizabeth Scala. And I believe her website is elizabethscala.com. And she focuses entirely on helping nurses prevent or get through 
burnout and it is fantastic. And she has a podcast called Your Next Shift. So if you check that out, it's so joyful and so positive and it can really help. Just to listen to something like that, a mentor. Another thing that you can do is reach out to a mentor when you're feeling like you have some of these symptoms. I would also encourage if you have a employee assistance program where you are working to take advantage of that. And then just go back to the basics. Take care of yourself. Get sleep. Make sure you're eating well, not eating a bunch of junk. Make sure you're drinking water. More water than coffee is what I always say. Getting some exercise, even if it's just a simple little yoga routine in the morning or a little bit of a walk in the evenings before bed. Something where you're moving your body and feeling your body and getting out of your head a little bit and more into your physical being. So we're at the part in the podcast where I have a moment of total honesty with you guys and tell you that I suffered very, very miserably with some compassion fatigue and some burnout a few years ago. And it was all just part of a perfect storm. You know, I was sick as heck. I was having some terrible health issues that really were preventing me from doing my job with joy and in many cases from even doing my job at all. I was out on medical leave. Lots of times because I had this terrible inflammatory autoimmune something and my joints were completely swollen. I couldn't use my hands. They were like in permanent claw hand position. I couldn't um, walk very well. I mean, I could, but it was really painful and my joints, all my joints ached, my entire body. I was seeing a specialist who was trying to get me to start medication for like rheumatoid arthritis type stuff, and I didn't like any of how that sounded. So I basically decided I was going to fix it myself because I'm a control freak, and I did. Totally fixed it by changing my diet. Basically, that's all I needed to do. Inflammation is such an interesting topic. Don't get me started. I could talk your ear off forever about that and the importance of a healthy diet. But anyway, I was sick as heck, so I was depleted emotionally and physically because I was so sick. So I didn't have the emotional reserve. I didn't have that ability to handle the stress and the compassion fatigue of my job. And I went to full bore burnout. And when I look back at how unhappy I was, it's so obvious, like all of those things that I just mentioned, the feeling lack of empathy, taking PTO, well, I had to take PTO a lot because I was so sick, but taking all that extra time off, not having any joy. There was about a year period where I felt no joy at all in my life whatsoever. I definitely had sleep problems. A lot of those were because I was in so much pain all the time. So I don't know if they were because of my burnout or because of my joint problems, but I definitely wasn't sleeping. And talk about being irritable, being anxious, being angry. I just, I would cry on the way to work. I'm not a crier. I'm not, I'm not that fragile of a person, but I was at that time. And I'd cry on the way to work and I would yell at people in my car that were driving too slow. (laughs) Like say I was out running errands and I'm having this monologue to the drivers around me. And I'm thinking, why am I so angry? These people aren't doing anything to me. They're just driving. And I had to take a step back and say, oh my gosh, you're not a lovely person. And I used to really think that I was a lovely person, but I had become such an angry person. And 
irritable. My poor husband was so patient with me and I was so sick and I knew I needed to just take a step back and take care of myself. Exactly what I just said that I wanted you guys to do. And I hope that you don't let it get to the point where you have to take such drastic measures. Like I left nursing. I left my job. I went and did something else for about a year and got my health back, really focused on getting my health back and got my heart back too. And now I'm back working in the hospital, back working in the critical care environment, and I love it. So I'm also not sick all the time. So I have a little more resilience to handle the stressors of my job and and all of that. So that's my little story of woe, my tale of woe. And it was it's very vulnerable for me to tell you that because I don't like talking about it. I don't like admitting that I was not this joyful, happy nurse because I wasn't. I was absolutely miserable, sick, depressed, depleted person. And it was not my best self. Took about a year to start feeling more like myself. I mean, I started feeling better almost immediately because I really started focusing on my physical health. But about a year before I was ready to come back to nursing. And when I came back, I came back with a new attitude, which I know sounds really cliche. But a lot of times, if you're having that really bad compassion fatigue or you're feeling signs of burnout, it might be that you are in an environment that is not right for you. As much as critical care is so exciting and I love all the technology and the gadgets and the complexities and the interesting cases and the great doctors and the fabulous, smart, amazing nurses that I work with, it's a really hard environment and it is not for everybody. And I know that I probably won't be able to do it forever because it does it does drain you after a while and it's very difficult. Moving to another care area is oh. Okay. It's wonderful to go try different things. A lot of the nurses that I work with in the ICU, they transition out and they go work in the PACU or pre-op and they are so happy. Every time somebody does that, they talk about how much they love it over there. So just know that you can find joy in your work again. You just might not be in the right environment for you right now. So keeping your options open, exploring opportunities, maybe thinking outside the box a little bit can really help. And if you absolutely have to take that break, my first advice would be try not to like get to that point, recognize the symptoms ahead of time and absolutely take care of yourself. Guys, I want you to drink water, please. When people ask, what is the number one thing I can do to be a healthy, less stressed nursing student who's on top of their game? I say, drink a lot of water, okay? Hydrate. Drink more water than coffee, more water than wine, please. Try to eat good food. Try to just eat real whole food, not a bunch of junk, please. That's not good for you. Get some sleep and then get that exercise and take care of yourself so that you are that strong nurse so that you can be present and available for your family for what they need for your patients, for what they need, and for yourself, for what you need. So that was just a short little podcast episode about compassion fatigue and sharing my personal experience with you. And I hope that it's helpful for you guys. And I just want you to know that I'm rooting for you. And if you have any questions or you ever have concerns, please reach out, if not to me, then to a friend, a mentor, a colleague, a pastor, a social worker, 
anyone that you can look up to that can provide you with emotional, spiritual, mental health guidance. Don't wait. Don't let it get out of hand. Okay, that is it for today. And I just want to follow up. If you do feel like you want some extra support and maybe you don't know anybody in nursing school or maybe you do and you just want to kind of have a little bit separate from that, I do have a Facebook group completely dedicated to just a group focusing on being happy, being healthy, less stress in nursing school. It's called Happy Healthy Nursing Students. Still kind of a small group, but I'm hoping to get it even bigger. So far, the camaraderie and support amongst the group members has been fabulous. There's about three or 400 people in the group right now. Would love to grow that. Please go over to Facebook, look for Happy Healthy Nursing Students. We would love to have you. It's a private group, so you have to submit a little request to join. Um, that way it just keeps your posts private from your timeline. If you really wanted to come over there and vent or ask for guidance, it wouldn't show up on your regular Facebook timeline. So that's kind of nice for people that want to just keep this stuff separate from their everyday life. So please come and do that. And then if you're looking for tips on how to be a successful nursing student, maybe school is wearing you down or you haven't started yet and you're not sure how to go about this whole nursing student thing, and I just scared the pants off of you with my burnout podcast speech, then go to my website, straightanursingstudent.com, and on the right-hand side, you'll see a black box with some turquoise and white text, and it is a little freebie that I created just for you guys. It's called The 11 Habits of Successful Nursing Students, and I would love to get that into your hands. So go over to the website, get that, and please reach out again if you have any questions or ideas for new podcast episodes. So take care of yourselves, everyone. Now go drink a glass of water. Okay, bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media.